0: Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. I'm Josh a senior pastor here at OCC. and. We're wrapping up this series of messages, and throughout this whole series, we've been wrestling with a question that Jesus' disciples asked him. We find that question in Matthew 18, verse 1. It reads this, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, So who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And for me, this verse really prompted a, a study over every place in the New Testament where Jesus described who would be truly the great ones who would be greatest in the kingdom now idolizing greatness is is what we as people like to do we like to figure out who the famous ones are we like to uh you know be enamored by the names of those famous people the great ones here on earth there's actually even a published list each year called the who's who in America i don't know if you've seen this before but i remember this back in high school they would publish this for students but there's a who's who in America In 2020. This is actually, uh, uh, you see a photo of it here. This is the 73rd edition compiling over 6,000 profiles of prominent individuals in the U.S. in nearly every field. So you've got folks in here that are just, they're the winners. They're the most accomplished. They're the best selling authors. You have Nobel and Pulitzer Prize winners. You have legendary athletes and on and on from all these different fields. Now these are the ones that the world would say, these are the greatest. These are the great ones. But shockingly enough, as we've studied through uh, what Jesus said about the great ones, He's describing something very different than the world describes greatness. And it's somewhat, it catches us off guard. That's why we've called this series Surprised by Greatness. And so, we've sort of come to the end of this series, and here's where we've been though, so far. Jesus only gives four profiles or four types of of people that he elevates and gave the title of the great ones in God's kingdom. So let's just quickly review what we've covered. First, we looked at the humble. Jesus said the humble, those are the great ones. Next, we looked at the servants. Jesus declared that the servants would be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Last week, we talked about the persecuted, and then now, these three are hardly those that we would have guessed would be on the who's who list in heaven. Uh, the world actually looks at this list, those three that we've covered so far, the humble, the servants, and the persecuted. The world looks at that list, and it's so easy to sort of feel sorry, to sort of even despise that group, and and to and then even to resist uh, these qualities in our own life. Uh, but Jesus, he actually calls these specifically out. And he elevates their value and elevates their overall worth. He says these are the greatest. So today what I want to do is I want to wrap up and I want to look at one other place where Jesus actually makes a reference to those who are great in the kingdom. So let's pick this up in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 19. Jesus is teaching in his Sermon on the Mount, and here's what he, re, uh, what, he's, what he teaches. Matthew five 17, don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. He's he's referencing the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, uh, what they taught, what they covered, the law of God, the commandments, all that the prophets taught. He's saying I didn't come to abolish those things. No, I've come to fulfill those things. He's essentially saying I'm not saying anything different. I'm the fulfillment. And my teachings are the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. So he's building on the past. He's not come to abolish the past. Verse 18, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Now, uh, the wording here, if you were to think about these small letters or the small strokes of a letter in for the for the Jews, they would have been familiar with the Hebrew uh, Bible, the the Law, the Prophets, and uh, the smallest uh, letter character in the Hebrew alphabet is a yod, and it's this little tiny. Uh, it just looks like a little tiny symbol uh, when we look at it, uh, but here's a picture of a yod, and it 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 is a small letter. It looks like almost like an apostrophe, and then he says, you know, or the smallest stroke of a letter. So just like almost like a little, they would call this uh, the tittle. And it was essentially uh, a really tiny uh, indicator, a, a, a tiny vowel marking. And so uh, Jesus is referencing even the smallest letter, even the smallest mark on a letter. It's almost like he would be describing like uh, the dot of an I or the mark of a T or to separate, uh, you know, in, in English uh, to, to indicate the difference between a P and an R Uh, Those little markings are significant, and we know that. And Jesus is highlighting, Truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. He's saying, look, the law of God is is crucial. It's important. It it will outlast even the earth, it's saying, the law of God. So what he's doing is he's highlighting, he's elevating the importance of God's commands, his laws. Then you come to verse 19, it reads, therefore, and anytime you find that word, you want to ask, this sounds kind of corny, but you want to ask, why is it therefore? It's because generally, he just, he's stating something and then he's building on uh, what he has just stated. So verses 17 and 18, a reference to the law and the uh, importance, the significance of the law. So because God's law, his command are so important, therefore, verse 19, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands, and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands, he's again, he's referring to the law of God, the commands of God. Whoever t- does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So in summary, verse 19 gets to the heart of another uh, Aspect, the quality, the type of person who will be great in the kingdom. This gets to the heart of it in verse 19. We actually learn a few things. First, we learn that there are some of God's commands that are greater. He, he even describes that there are, there are lesser and greater. Uh, he, he's describing that in verse 19. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same. So there are some commands that would be seen as lesser. Now, they're still important because he's just stated that all of God's laws are important. But the rabbis, those who studied all of God's commands and, and laws, they actually would rank lesser and greater commands. And they, they'd sort of identified a list of the lesser commands. For example, uh, one of the commands in the Old Testament uh, had to do with preservation of, of um, animal life. And so, like in Deuteronomy, you'd find verse about a lesser command. The rabbis had indicated this was a lesser command like, you're not to kill a bird sitting on its eggs. Uh, essentially, uh, the, this is a command. You might be like wondering, well, why is that in there? And why should we care about that? Um, and so you might even uh, agree with the rabbis who you might think, well, that is, seems kind of insignificant. Why does this really matter? Well, this has to actually to do with the understanding of who we are on the earth. We're managers, we're stewards. And so even the command to not kill a bird sitting on its eggs is really a command to see yourself as a steward, to see yourself as a manager that God has placed here on the earth. And we're not to just think about our own lives. We're to think about sustaining the next generation and the next generation and the next generation after that. And the way we sustain uh, people is we preserve what is here. So we steward well, what God has given us and The way we learn how to steward all of life is we learn God's commands. We learn his word. We learn his laws. And we begin to apply them to our life. And so even the smaller commands, the lesser commands, just that was just one example. Uh, Even those small lesser commands, they have worth. They have value. So if I just decide, you know, I'm just going to start breaking some of these and just considering that these are lesser commands. They're sort of beneath me and I shouldn't need to regard them. Jesus is declaring that he will actually hold those in lowest esteem, those who hold his word, his commands, in lowest esteem. They'll be lesser in the kingdom. Those who hold uh, certain commands as lesser and ignore them, he's saying that's going to affect your standing in the kingdom. And so Jesus is saying that those who, on the flip side, those who do God's commands, those who teach others to do and live out God's commands. Those ones are the great ones in the kingdom. They're greatest. And so this passage is, is, it's really wrapped up in a concept known as the fear of God. And so that's really the fourth type of person that will be great in the kingdom. So you can add that to the list of the humble, the servant, the persecuted. You can add this fourth thing, fearing God, the, those who fear God. Now, what does that really mean? It's a concept. Fearing God is, is this. It's to take God seriously enough to obey all of what He says. What this means is that you don't play games with His, with His laws. You don't play games with His truth or His rules. You, this, this has to do with how you respect Him so much so that you respect His words, His very words with high esteem. You hold them up. You realize that God's Word, the Bible, it is true. It's come from him, and it's for us to help us live in line with the way he's made reality. And so you realize that he is interacting with us in very real ways, and that God is able to step in at any moment. He's able to correct us. He's able to discipline us. And, and we don't really don't like to think about this, the fact that God is interacting with us. We don't like to think about the fact that if we were to disobey God, that we can actually stir up God's wrath. We can stir up God's anger. Uh, But the wrath of God is a very serious thing to stir up. And so throughout the Old Testament, the first uh, division of the Bible, and all through the New Testament, we see this concept about those who fear God and take him seriously. They take his very word at heart, and they believe this is from God, and I'm going to respect it because it's from him. And I believe he's real, and I believe he interacts with me. So I want to highlight some verses that really state the importance of taking God's word seriously and actually fearing Him. So let's, let's look first at, at Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. This is, uh, early on in the Bible. There's a major significant transition taking place. And so this is what God says to a new leader named Joshua. Joshua 1-7, God says, above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully The whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. So God, he gave this command to Joshua, this military leader, who now has taken over after Moses. He goes on. He says, do not turn from it. Don't turn from the instructions, the laws. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success. Wherever you go, don't turn from God's laws. Don't turn from God's instructions. This is the key to success. This is the key to blessing. And what God is telling Joshua, this new leader, is if you want to lead well, then don't deviate at all, even a step off course. Now that seems impossible. But God is saying, look, walk exactly in line with my command. Don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left walk in these commands exactly these are the instructions I'm passing on to you to lead. this will bring success. Now this is uh, this introduces us to the the concept of the fear of God early on where Joshua this leader is instructed to take God seriously here to not play games uh, but to lead exactly the way God wants him to lead to follow his commands, his exact commands. flipping over back to the New Testament Matthew 7. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus is one of his famous, you know, this is his famous, most famous sermon. And at the end of his sermon, he's just expressed all the ways of, of the kingdom of God. And what does it look like to have a life submitted to God's kingdom? And he's talking about uh, a handful of, of topics and and how we're to live in in light of the kingdom of God and God's rule. He wraps up this sermon with these words, Matthew 7, verse 24 and 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, so he's just preached this sermon, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, not just hears them, but acts on them, takes them seriously, respects God's words, or Jesus' words, and actually applies them. Whoever hears these words and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, when you sort of put this, backing up to verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man. This, when you put it side by side with Matthew 5.19, which is where we started, where Jesus describes those who do and teach these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You see, you can sort of put these verses side by side. These are like parallel teachings here to hear the word and to act on it. Those who do that will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That's solid, solid rock. says that the one who did this, verse 25, the rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. See, he's not referencing eternity here. He's actually referencing the life that you build and that I build here and now. If you build your life on a solid rock, it's like that is like the person who takes Jesus' words, his commands, the ways of God, takes them seriously and builds on them. Meaning you act on them. You get them into your life. Well, the only reason you would do that is because you fear God. You fear him. You take him seriously. You believe he's really there. And his words are not just true, but they're going to have an impact on the quality of your life. And so you start building on that. And you discover, like Jesus describes, that it actually provides the most stable foundation possible. Now, Paul picks up on this idea in one of his letters. So, another example of, of fearing God Chap- uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. Paul writes this to the church. He writes, pay careful attention then. This phrase, pay careful attention, is is the Greek word "akrobos." You hear the word acrobat in there. Okay, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. And so this this has to do with the way we walk, the way we live. Uh, The acrobat has to be perfect in, its, in his or her steps. They're, they have to be perfect on that tightrope. They, they have to be so careful with every step. Uh, they, can't, they can't lean one direction or another, very similar to what God told Joshua. Don't turn to the right, to the left. No, the acrobat has to be perfect on that tightrope. So pay careful attention to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish, meaning don't be sloppy. Don't be careless on the tightrope of life. You know, sure, you can step off course in any given area, whether it's tied to our words, our thought life, uh, our work patterns, uh, our, our managing our responsibilities, um, the way we relate to people, and on and on. We can get sloppy in all sorts of areas. We can get sloppy with our money uh with the way we steward the money God has entrusted to us. We can get sloppy with our um uh, even just our, our own body. We can get sloppy with our uh our our parenting, we can get sloppy with uh our our church involvement and the way we serve and on and on. We can get sloppy with um like I mentioned our thoughts and just the way we let our thoughts run off course. And with with all of these areas, uh, you know, Paul's saying pay careful attention to how you live. Pay careful to be like that tightrope walker who is who is aiming to stay on track with God's commands. Stay so close to Him, fear Him, know that He's real. Uh, Paul saying, don't get careless with God's word. Know it, understand it, and then live in line with it. That's what it means to fear God. And if you've come to know Jesus personally, uh, you take Him seriously. You don't play games with Him. And so let, let's look at some different facets of of not fearing God for a Christ follower. So, first, not fearing God for a Christ follower would look like you pretend with our favorite sins. You skate near thin ice. Um, It's not that this person never sins, because the truth is we all mess up. None of us at all are perfect. But for the person who just doesn't fear God, uh, they start skating near the thin ice. They start, uh, there's an attitude even that you find where a person just willing to skate near their weaknesses. Skate near that thin ice. That might be tied to alcohol, might be t- tied to drugs, pornography, might be tied to flirting, might be tied to the love of money. It's wherever you're tempted to minimize what God has said. Uh, we're tempted to sort of just skate near thin ice and pretend with our favorite sins well, that, that's very, very foolish. Look at Paul's warning, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul is writing to a church here, and he's clearly concerned for some people. Look at what he writes to them. So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. I'm kind of imagining the person standing on thin ice. Oh, you think you're standing firm. You think you're stable. Be careful. You might fall through that ice. Verse 13 no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. See, we're all tempted in, in, it's not the first time. The way you're tempted, that's not the first, you're not the first person to deal with that temptation. This is common to humanity. It says, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. See, this is the kindness of God but with the temptation he will also provide the way out so don't linger don't linger look for the escape hatch look around god i need to get out of this situation i'm i'm on thin ice i need to get out of this situation and he says he'll provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it and so the one who fears god recognizes that they're vulnerable they're tempted they get tempted you need to, you need to know your weaknesses. You need to know what you're tempted by. Know where your vulnerabilities are. Those things that would really damage you if you caved in. And we're to take these areas seriously. That's um, what it looks like to fear God. Now another area we should be concerned about in regards to, to not fearing God is when we do this. When we pursue our life's goals that are not blessed by God. We want to please God, but we secretly find ourselves in life being tempted to pursue our own agenda. We have these, these, I don't know if I'd call them hobbies or just, or just life focus. These, these goals that we're trying to go after. And they're secretly the ultimate focus of our life. They're the things that we're most, pers- you know, focused on pursuing. And, we discover that a lot of times these are just there are agendas. So Jesus warns, go back to the picture of the person building his house on the solid rock. Verse 26, Jesus continues in that, and he says, Whoever but everyone who hears these words of mine, you know, you hear the commands of Jesus and doesn't act on them. You choose not to fear God by taking them in and letting them go back go out the other ear. You you don't act on On Jesus' words, don't take them seriously. He says, the one who does that, doesn't act on, on them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. It's almost like you hear God's words, you hear his commands, but then you just sort of decide that, you know, these are interesting, but they don't really govern real life. And I don't know if they make a real difference. And so you decide not to act on them. Look at what happens. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. And so the life, what Jesus is saying, is the life you build apart from God's word will be tested. If you decide to disregard and start breaking God's commands, just disregarding God's commands, that life you're building is going to be tested. And without the fear of God, what Jesus is saying is you're asking for a devastating experience. Great, great crash. Now, another facet when a person doesn't fear God, they, they think that God has not set limits. Look at what Paul writes in Romans chapter 6. Paul writes about this experience, um, and again, he's concerned about an attitude of disregarding sin and just sort of minimizing sin. He asks a few questions. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Sort of like saying, you know, God loves me and I'm saved by grace and, and that is true because we're not saved by our works. Paul's saying, should you say this? Should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? He's saying, don't look at grace as permission to live without the fear of the Lord. Paul asks, should we, should we just continue sinning? Verse two, absolutely not. How can we who died to, st- to sin still live in it? He's saying, look, when it comes to your sin, put it behind you. Don't live as if there's no limits. Now, another facet of not fearing God for a Christ follower is it's to affect your eternal situation. Uh, when you just disregard the fear of the Lord, that affects eternity. It doesn't affect your salvation. If you're a Christian, you're, you're going to heaven. But it affects the rewards you'll experience there. And this is not, this is definitely something we don't like to think about, or we don't like to really consider this. Uh, But there's something to be said about eternal rewards. Rewards in heaven are actually real. Paul refers to those rewards here, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 and on. Paul writes this to the Corinthian church according to god's grace that was given to me i have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and another builds on it but each one is to be careful how he builds on it so he's saying look be careful again how you build your life foundation be careful what you're building on first 11 for no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. The foundation is Jesus Christ. See, we start there. We, we enter into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. Verse 12. If anyone builds on the foundation, essentially you receive Christ, then you start building a life on that. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, and he starts listing out some, some different building materials of clearly different qualities, though. Okay, so people enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They start building on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. Six different building materials of different value and quality. I don't know about you, but, you know, you want to build a house, an actual house, with the best quality materials. You want stable uh, materials that will last. On and on and on. You don't want things that will blow away, you don't want things that will break in half. Uh, you you want to know that that this construction will hold up. verse thirteen. each one's work will become obvious. So essentially we're building a life. We' it's we're working uh, in the senses, we're serving our king here on earth. we're working to build his kingdom. Each one's work, will become obvious the the materials that you build with will become obvious did you build with gold did you build with silver did you, did you build with costly stones those things that have real value and that have real worth and that will last those things that are precious uh, that please the lord those gold silver and costly stones are like building on with god's commands it's building a life based on god's truth those things will last for eternity versus those who build with wood, hay, or straw. Those are things of this earth. They're not going to last. They'll blow away. They'll break in half. They won't be around long. And it says in verse 13, each one's work, each person's work, will become obvious. So whatever you use in this life, however you build, will become, it'll be disclosed. For the day will disclose it. Now this is referring to uh, when our lives are judged before the Lord. For the day will disclose it there will be a judgment because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. When we're judged by God, our work will be revealed. Our lives will be revealed. It will be out in the open. It will be disclosed. And it says, if anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. Hmm. Rewards in eternity. Based on how we built here. How seriously... We built with on god 's word remember god 's word it will not pass away it is it has eternal value and quality, and so when you build according to god 's word, when you take god 's word seriously, when you fear him and apply his word to your life it 's like you 're building with that with those those costly stones, the gold, the silver, the stuff that will last, and that those works the the acts of obedience, walking with Jesus and taking his command seriously are the works that will survive. And it says, you'll receive a reward. Verse 15, if anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So there are those that will be in heaven who built with wood, hay, and straw. Things that won't last through the fire of judgment. They'll burn up. Verse 15, if anyone's work is is burned up, he will experience loss. What that's talking about is there are those who will build not on God's commands, but will build with wood, straw, hay. Those things will burn up. That's where we decide to just build on our best ideas. Build a life based on the culture around us. Build, build a life in comparison to others in this world. Not on God's commands, not because we fear Him, but just because, uh, we fear others or we, you know, we fear man. Well, Building with the wrong materials, skimping on the building materials, he says in verse 15, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So you have this this image of a person who's used building materials that will be revealed. Wood, hay, straw, they'll be burned up. Uh, the implication here is that you'll get into heaven, but you'll have very little eternal rewards. Now one of my mentors says that in heaven... All of us will have full buckets. I mean, we'll get to heaven and we'll be, uh, we'll be so in so much awe of God's glory. We'll be so thankful. We'll have so much gratitude in our hearts for the fact that we're there. We have escaped the fire, in a sense. That passage talks about we'll have escaped through fire. We'll be saved, uh, passed through fire. But as, as those who will be there, uh, we will have this experience now where we 'll now enjoy the rewards from the life we lived on earth now i 've heard an illustration about that basically all of us will have buckets, and you know some of us will just have we 'll find and there there are those in heaven that will have bigger buckets and so i 've got a couple different buckets here here 's two different buckets, different sizes um, and you know these are—they don't look all that different—but in heaven, some people will have will have lived very, very carefully according to God's word, and they'll their bucket will be full of those rewards, and th- there will be gratitude in their hearts because they're there. They will have escaped fire. The other person who has this size bucket, they'll be they'll be so grateful. They'll they'll their bucket will be full as well. It's a different size bucket, but it will be full. Now, there's also those. Who? They got careless with God's word. If they're truly a Christ follower, uh, again, they'll be there and they'll be so grateful. They'll have escaped the fire. Uh, they're, they, they're in heaven, but they'll have a tinier bucket. And there's still, there's gratitude in their heart over this. And, and, you know, there's this there's these differences between these sizes. The other guy who built very carefully his life on God's word, he'll have greater rewards in eternity. And he'll, he'll have this large and full Bucket, Uh, and I guess the question for us is, which one will be your goal? If you think, look, none of this really matters, as long as I get to heaven, then well, uh, that leads to a tiny bucket. There'll be fewer rewards. You'll be there, but there's fewer rewards. Then there are those who uh, are willing to pay a price. They really seek God. They really obey Him, and they get a bigger bucket. And then there are those who make a significant difference here. And now, uh, they walk exactly, they walk carefully, they ask God to continue to keep them on track day by day, moment by moment, and that will last for all eternity. Again, all of us in heaven will be thankful, our bucket will be full, they'll just be different size. Now, those buckets are just an illustration, but the important thing is for us to really wrestle with this question, which one will be your goal? Which of those buckets? Let's look again at where we started. Matthew 5:19 reads, Therefore, Jesus said, Whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. What a sobering set of verses. But he gives us this encouragement and really this goal, this aim. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. There's not different levels of heaven. He's not describing... Uh, uh, different levels, uh, for the more obedient. No, there, there is, there's heaven. And again, we'll be thankful to be there, uh, because of his grace. It is all because of his grace, but clearly there are those who are lesser and greater in heaven. And it is tied to this issue of true greatness coming to those who, who hold tightly to God's word, his ways, and they don't get mixed up on their views and God's views. They keep God's views really clear. People tend to keep making their own heavenly hall of fame. This is something we natively do. But we need to keep checking our own set of values and perspectives with God's. And we may be surprised to see who's at the head table in the kingdom of heaven. All of us are, are going to be so, so glad we made it. We'll have our bucket. We'll be so thankful. It will be a full bucket. And we'll be surprised at, at who's on the who's who list in heaven. And also maybe we'll be surprised at who's not even listed. The warning here is that this issue is really about our heart. Jesus keeps getting at the heart in your heart. Don't begin to think that God isn't serious and that I don't really need to take him seriously. Don't begin to think God probably hasn't set limits. I can live however I want. You know, I'm just going to rely on God's grace. Don't think that way. These passages really challenge that. If you think that God is just this old man, this old grandpa in a rocking chair in heaven, and occasionally he wakes up from his slumber, and he he sees us messing around down here, and he goes, oh, boys will be boys. Well, then you've got another thing coming. Jesus is very serious when he talks about this, these issues here. And so, let's pay attention to what he says about obeying his commands. As we wrap up, the Bible is very clear, and I want to end with this, that we're saved by grace. We're saved not by our works. We're saved by trusting in Christ. That's how we get into heaven. Jesus, through his shed blood on the cross, paid the penalty that we deserved. That's called grace. It's a free gift that's offered to those who trust Christ with their lives. But then, once we receive Christ and we enter into a relationship with him, we're heading for heaven. At that point moving forward on earth, though, we want to obey what he says. So we we choose to fear him. We choose to not play around. We don't mess around and, and say, you know, his word doesn't really say this. Or we don't mess around and start adding things to his word. No we we hold true to the teachings of God. This is not about a legalism issue. I don't don't hear what I'm saying and think oh this is just all about legalism. No. It's that God is our father, but he's also our king. He rules in heaven, he rules on earth, and we do best when we yield to him as king in all areas of our lives. So I hope this message has been helpful. I hope these past four messages, really, as we've looked at these four areas that Jesus says will bring about greatness in the kingdom, the humble, the servants, those who are persecuted for, for Christ, and then fourth, those who truly fear God. And so reflect on these things. Maybe walk back through the series and, and, and reflect on areas maybe to, uh, to walk more closely in obedience. But let's talk about some next steps today as you wrap things up. First would be to identify and confess Any area where you just sense, I'm not taking God very seriously. This takes some time to to pray and just to consider this question. But but why don't you consider that? And then if God shows you anything that maybe you have begun to minimize in the Bible or add to what he said, then go ahead and just say, God, that was wrong. That's sin to do that. I confess that. And the second thing here, as far as the next step, is to be accountable to someone else who is aiming to fear God. Find some people around you link your life up with those that are aiming to fear God. Life will go well for you if you do. If you run with wise people, that's gonna be a real blessing and a real help to you. And then be accountable. When you just sense and we all sense we're we're veering off course. Like we're 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 breaking some of God's commands and we're maybe not seeing that as a big deal. Well we need friends who will who will say, Hey, I, I see this in your life, I'm concerned for you or will we just just go to them and say, Hey, I don't want to live this way. I don't wanna um, minimize what God has said. And so would you hold me to a higher standard? So that's the second one. The third next step is this, is to shift honor to those who are greatest in God's kingdom. See, it's real naturally for us to build our own who's who list and start putting the world standards and, and then seeing who measures up to the world standards and then deciding to shift honor here on earth to what God has said um, is a is blesser value. And so let's shift honor uh, to the humble, to those who are servants amongst us, to those who are persecuted because of Jesus, and to those who truly fear God. Let's shift honor to those who are greatest in God's kingdom. So let's pray as we wrap things up. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is uh it it, it zeroes in on our heart and the issues that stir us in our hearts, Lord. Things that we really wrestle with. And Father, we desire to please you. We thank you for your grace and your kindness, your mercy. It's all undeserved for us. And Lord, I pray that we would, out of gratitude for what you have done, we would live to follow very carefully your commands. Would you help us with this? Strengthen us through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.